Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters, and we're two pastors, one podcast. On each episode, we'll be answering one of your questions about God, the Bible, faith, and life. We're so excited you're joining us. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, kind of a Johnny Cash voice today. Oh, yes. Got well, that going on. <laughs> we've had such a busy weekend. Are you hoarse or what? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit hoarse, but that's okay. good. You know, that's what happens when you sing to the Lord. I see. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, we're not going to get into that. No, I don't know I what know. that's about. But anyways, um, so we are back. Let's see. I, after we podcasted last week, I went up to Austin. Is it up or down? It's up. Uh, it's up from here. Yes, right. it's up. I went up to Austin and saw... Ellie for the first time yeah. in college. She's doing very well and loving it. Um, great class. Well, her classes, some of which are online, which she's not so happy about. Mm-hmm. But I think today, this Monday, some of them moved back to in the other two that weren't online are going back in class, yeah. I think. Um, and she's found a lot, a lot of different good. Bible study groups and things are good. Yeah, you saw some friends too from Fargo. Yes, we have them. friends from Fargo that we saw and they brought their two sons, one of whom was looking at colleges. So we got to give, Ellie gave him a tour and all of us. And then we had a nice dinner out and it was really nice. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's. Uh, I was really, really happy that you had the chance to go up there and see our daughter. And mm-hmm. she uh, she seems to be kind of flourishing up there. Yeah, so yeah. It's very exciting to see her. She's, I think she's gone to both home games. Oh, yes. She's yeah, kind of both the game home last, game. Uh, on Saturday. Yes. So. Uh, UT football. Yes. Yeah. Very fun. Very excited about that. And we're going to try to get up there for a game at some point. We are going to get up there for we, a we game with our will. two boys. We just yep. don't know which game. Yes. We'll definitely get there. Yep. So, okay. So that was then. And then in the meantime, we have had at St. John 24 hours of prayer. Yeah. yeah that was fantastic. I was really, really pleased. Uh, we had, I, I, don't, I don't have the exact count, but about 70 people. So mm-hmm. we had 67 who signed up to pray in person. Some kids, some weren't able to make it. Others were on the list who hadn't signed up. You know, right. so it's about it seventy showed roughly. Showed up, right? Uh, but I, I, I was thrilled. I mean, so seventy people. We had, we had at least one person praying at the church for the church every hour around the clock for twenty-four hours straight. Yeah, when I was there, there was like six of us. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the middle of the night, there was just like one right. or two of us for the most part. Right. Uh, but no, it was just fantastic. And so I'm eager to hear back from people what the experience was like for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time we did this, the, the the feedback I got from a lot of people was, "Boy, I came in there, I didn't know, know what I was going to do for sixty minutes, <laughs> and then I looked up, and my time was over." Yes, so. it does go very fast. I actually was in there for like an hour and a half. Um, because oh, wow. I well, I had to switch the candles mm-hmm. per your yes, thank you for yes, doing that. Yes, yes, yeah. I switched the candles and then I was there. It just didn't take me as long as I thought. So um, I was there, and then you were there extra as well because in the middle yeah. of the night the lights went out. Yeah, yeah. So I went to bed, and then I got a phone call at twelve o'clock that the lights had gone out. So <laughs> went into church, and it turns out that you can you can set the lights using the system that controls our furnace. Like who knew? Right. You know what I mean? But well. Yeah, because uh, last year this didn't happen, so I don't no, know what happened there. No, but the so lights went out, and nobody, and you couldn't turn them back on manually. So right, that's so the it, problem with technology, oh right? Gosh, Some, it's good and bad. I mean, yeah, you know, engineers are great and all, but sometimes they just overthink things. Right, so just give me a switch. Give me a know? switch. Right. Uh, yeah, so I went in and then came back about one thirty. Got about ninety minutes of sleep. Went back at three forty-five. Prayed for a couple of sessions and then preached three times and came home and took a long nap. Yes, a long so. nap, and then went to Theology on Tap. So let's quickly, yeah. oh, Theology on Tap was yeah. all about Revelation, so that we are actually getting into what we're supposed to be talking about today. Yeah. Um, and that's just like a group that me, I've never been, but I went last night, mm-hmm. and it's just a group that 
meets a couple once a month. Yeah, what and so it we'll, we'll try to meet uh, monthly. It's, it's it's been kind of an ad hoc group. Yeah. So I think this is I think the fourth time that we've met. Mm. Um, so we haven't really developed a rhythm yet, but it. we're going to try to meet maybe uh, maybe monthly or every other month. Okay. But the idea is, it's just an opportunity to get together with other people from the church, and you can bring your friends. Yeah, because there were other people from not the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just uh, we just kind of talk about the Bible, talk about faith. Um, it's uh, tends to be a free flowing conversation. Yesterday's was more directed, more facilitating, yeah. uh, but it tends to be more of a free-flowing conversation. So you, you know, you might start out talking about uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and then you talk about you know the rapture, and then you talk about baptizing babies, and it's like all of, <laughs> kind of whatever's on people's minds. All the minds, big questions, right? right? But it's fun. It's just a great opportunity to get to know people and to and to talk about Jesus. Okay. Well, last night you like you said it was more directed, mm-hmm. and so we talked about the Revelation series, which we are now on. We have just completed five of. Six, six of yeah. seven. So this is the last week. Six of up. seven. And yeah. what most people said was they appreciated most or they got most out of was, well, of course, you're pointing to Jesus, right? right. Of course, all the all that. But um, the spiral. The spiral. Like people yeah. talked about how, you know, you're taking a different tact than a linear tact and teaching us about how these same events keep coming back in a spiral and yeah. people really are getting that. Good. Yeah, yeah that, that was very encouraging for me as well. I mean, that's uh, that was, I think, the big takeaway for people mm-hmm. as a preacher, as a teacher. I think, you know, three or four years down the road, if that's what people can remember, then fantastic. You know? Right. Well, that definitely came out in the sermon yesterday. I think that's probably why it was mm-hmm. greatly on their mind because not only you always give us little hand motions so yeah. they've seen the spiral in action quite a bit but also yesterday we talked about the reoccurring of the this battle of armageddon battle of armageddon yeah, yeah and you know by the way the reason i do those hand motions <laughs> so that you know it's it's another way that people they can see it they can picture i it. thought it was from dulce and buff del camp teaching you that in vbs well that could be i could do some <laughs> jazz hands and stuff like that but do not do jazz hands just for you i will no i'll okay. do jazz hands this week thank you yeah uh, yeah, so uh, so one question about um, one question people had was about the millennium. It's yes. called the thousand-year reign of Christ. And so yesterday's sermon uh, was on the Battle of Armageddon. So Jesus Christ comes again. There's a great cataclysmic battle called the Battle of Armageddon, mm-hmm. uh, which is over surprisingly quickly, actually. Uh, and then, then the end, and then that's it, right? So that, that's kind of the Battle of Armageddon, which is also called. You brought up yesterday the Day of the Lord's Wrath, or something. Yes, and so is it, if you take this approach toward uh, toward the Book of Revelation, okay. which is spiral-like, okay. the same story is told again and again, mm-hmm. each time with more details, with more uh, emphasis. Uh, then uh, uh, I, I was making the case that the Battle of Armageddon actually appears five times uh, in the Book of Revelation. Uh, and that it starts out being called the end or the great day of wrath, and then you, then you understand there's an army involved and there's a battle involved, oh, and okay. the battle of Armageddon, and then Jesus wins, and then the devil is defeated. So those are kind of Got all it. the things that happen. Each spin around the spiral gives you uh, another another look at it. So okay, to speak. Mm-hmm. it makes sense. Uh, but um, one thing that people have a lot of questions about is so at, as you're reading through the book of Revelation, you know, linearly, mm-hmm. uh, sequentially—that's a better word. Sequentially, yeah, sequentially, one chapter after another. Right. So Jesus comes, Battle of Armageddon is fought, he wins, uh, he casts the two beasts into the lake of fire, that is hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next thing that happens, chapter 20, verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to a bottomless pit and a great chain, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the pit, and he shut it, and he sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years are ended, and then he must be released for a little while. 
And I saw thrones, and on them were those to whom authority to judge was committed. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. And uh, when the thousand years are ended, then Satan will be released from prison. He fights against God again, and this time he himself is thrown into uh, into hell. Okay. So the question is, what what are these thousand years, and when do they take place? Right. right. What are the thousand years, and when do they take place? Okay. And of course, um, this goes by the phrase millennium, which means a thousand. Like sure. We just fairly recently celebrated the millennium. So the millennium. Uh, and there's uh, the approach that many of our fellow American Protestants would take is, a, again, a linear approach. So there's the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, at the Battle of Armageddon, the beasts are thrown into hell, but the dragon is just kind of locked away in prison for a thousand years. Okay. Uh, and then believers in Christ come to life, and they reign with Christ for a thousand years on earth, this paradise on earth. Okay. And during that thousand years, many of the pro- prophecies in the Old Testament about the city of Jerusalem being rebuilt and land flowing with milk and honey, all that kind of stuff, is fulfilled. And then at the end of that thousand-year reign of earth, Satan is released. There's another great battle, kind of Battle of Armageddon Part 2, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that battle, Satan is thrown into hell, and then comes the final judgment and the resurrection of the dead. So that's kind of the scheme that most of our, okay. our fellow um, uh, Christians would take. Uh, but I, of course, take a, a different approach. So I would say that the thousand years are a symbol. And there's two reasons I say that. So we'll look at the, the symbol of a thousand years, and then we'll look at when it was that Satan was bound. Okay. Uh, actually, actually, let's look when Satan was bound first. So it begins uh, in chapter 20, verse 2. Uh, and, and he seized uh, the dragon, the serpent, and they threw him into the pit, and they shut it over him, uh, so that he and, and they bound him for a thousand years. Right? Right. So when does this happen? Okay. Does it happen after Jesus Christ comes again? Or does it happen sometime before? Well, the only other place in the entire Bible that talks about the binding of Satan mm. uh, is during Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. And there's that famous passage where uh, Jesus says, you know, there's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit yeah. and all sins will be forgiven except right. this one, right? Uh, but this is what Jesus says. This is uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 23. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he's coming to an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus explains what he is doing, Mm -hmm. casting out demons, by saying, you know, I'm the the strong man, the stronger Hmm. man, who bound Satan. I have bound Satan, and that's why I can plunder his house. That's why I can cast his demons out of people. Okay. Because I'm stronger than him, and I have, I've, um, I've, what's the word, invaded his territory, sure. so to speak. So what I would say is that Satan was bound uh, at the at Jesus' first coming. Mm. So it's at the first coming of Christ that Satan was bound. Okay. Uh, so that he can no longer deceive the nations, because the truth has been revealed to us, uh, and that at the at the end of the thousand years then Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. He'll be thrown into hell forever. And so I'd say that those thousand years then represent the time between Christ's first coming and his second coming, that it's a symbol, as as Revelation is prone to do, it's a symbol. Um, and the reason I would also say that is because these thousand years are mentioned 
two other places. There's only two other places in Scripture that talk about a thousand years. Yeah, so it has to be a symbol because it's already been a thousand years. Exactly. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, and, but, you know, oddly enough, around the year uh, 1000 AD, there mm. was a great deal of apocalyptic fervor sure. because people thought the, the end of the world was coming. The Vikings had been, you know, ruining North, uh, northern Europe. And so the people uh. thought, well, surely this is the end. And when they got through that time and realized, oh, I guess the end wasn't here. Right. That's one of the things that kicked off the high Middle Ages. Oh, very interesting. But yeah. also at the sec- at the turn of the cent- at the turn of the millennium this mm-hmm. year too. This time too, people, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not, just a something yeah, to it. Yeah. yeah, and I would imagine probably in the year twenty thirty one, and then again the year twenty thirty three, of the same kind of thing. Oh, because that's yeah. because you know Jesus was crucified either mm. in the year thirty one or thirty three, yeah, okay. depending how you do the calendar. So, okay. So probably that'll be another time when we see this this fervor. Okay. Place. But anyways, uh, there there are two other places in the Bible that mention the thousand years. One is uh, Psalm 90, a uh, thousand years in your sight are mm. like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. Yes, so it talks beautiful. about how, you know, uh, uh, from God's perspective, what is a thousand years? Right. It's, it's nothing. Nothing, a blink of an eye. Uh, and then we see the same thing in Peter's second letter, so mm-hmm. Second Peter verse 3. He's talking about uh, when will the day of the Lord come? And he says this, Second Peter 3 verse 8, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day mm-hmm. is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as is one day. Yeah. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some of you count slowness, but he's being patient to you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should receive repentance. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and off he goes. Right? Yes, I think we talked about that patience last night. Exactly. And so, But the point is, there, there are two other places that use this phrase a thousand years okay symbolically in in both times it's symbolic Mm -hmm. that from our perspective it seems like a great deal of time from god's perspective it's it's nothing right Uh, and so that therefore i would interpret this thousand year reign of christ as a symbol for all of the time between his first and second coming for the delay so to speak okay that we're living in now okay he says well it's a thousand years you know it's it's a long time but there's a definite end to it whenever that end may be it's, uh, it begins, it began with his first coming when he bound Satan. Uh, and if you notice, there's, there's, there's talk about how those who, um, and then they, they came to life and they reigned with Christ mm-hmm, for a thousand yep. years. And that would be a symbol, they, they call it the first resurrection. That would be a symbol for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and have eternal life in him. Because uh, we talk about that as being born again. Mm. We talk about that as, as Jesus says, whoever, uh, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Mm-hmm. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So right. when you put your trust, trust and faith in Jesus, you have eternal life. Okay. So during our time here on earth, we, we come to Christ spiritually. Uh, and then in the second coming, when the thousand years are ended, there's the battle of Armageddon, the defeat of Satan, and then the, the, what's called the second resurrection. That's the resurrection of all the dead okay. to face the final judgment. Wow. Yeah. So wait, do we have names for which which is the one you go by? Yes. Okay. So here's where it's fun. So the, again, the word is millennium, millennium, oh. thousand years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have premillennial, postmillennial, and amillennial. Okay. okay. So what I just described is called amillennial, and that means uh, literally not thousand. So it's a symbolic, sure. symbolic for all the time between Christ's first and second coming. Okay. Uh, what most of our fellow Protestant Christians would believe is called pre-millennial, that this thousand-year reign of Christ is still someplace in the future. So after Jesus comes again, there's a pause of a thousand years. Oh, my. Uh, and then comes the final judgment. That's in the future. And would that be um, like the Left Behind series? Would exactly. be pre-millennial? So that would be the okay. Left Behind series, John okay. Heggie. Okay. Anything having to do with a rapture, tribulation. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a very popular one called post-millennial, 
that understood uh, the th- this reign of Christ, when you know the, the saints of God will reign on earth, mm-hmm. they understood that as, ha- as happening uh, in the past. And so when okay. Jesus rose from the dead, that's when the kingdom started. Right? Okay. That's when the millennium started. And it was it went hand in glove with uh, with the modern age. So as decade after decade, life got better, um, knowledge increased. Uh, you know, things got uh, got better all the time. People were thinking, well, we must be living in the millennium. And that all kind of came crashing down in World War One. Okay. Well, you, you said this is fun. And uh, that mm-hmm. reminded me of something <laughs> last night. It's kind of funny because it somewhat goes on gender lines, I feel like, with this book of Revelation. Like hmm. when we went around the room last yeah, night talking yeah. about it, quite a few of the women, including myself, um, it just doesn't really excite me, to be honest. Like no, all this, all this talk, yeah. you know, I just, I mean, I'm trusting Jesus. I love all the, you mm-hmm. know, I just, I love the word and stuff. But Revelation has never really, um, it's been a struggle. And it's not something that I've been like, oh, I really need to wrap my mind around all these things. Hmm. It seems like men really like to try to do that. That's a great question. I, I never noticed it, but I think you're, you're absolutely right on. And I wonder if part of it is because so much of the Christian faith is, is feminine, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. You know, it's about loving and compassion. Well, the church and, has been, right. yeah, okay, true, yes. Uh, and it seems that these are very broad categories. Yeah, right? very so, broad. So, We're so being much, very broad. Right. So, so much of the, the church is appeals more to the, the, the softer side of human nature. Okay. Uh, and, the, and the book of Revelation is obviously a book that appeals to the harder side of human nature. Yes, and there's so know. much war imagery, and there's so many dragons coming out of uh, everywhere and, and dying and, and beheadings and... And it's kind of analytical. You know, there's a lot of data that you could uh, mm, true. you could think yeah. about. Uh-huh. So that might make sense, actually. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Hmm, I never thought about yes. that before. We're probably, people aren't going to like that, but that's no, okay. that's okay. That's okay. All right. So um, what do we, we need to wrap up because you've got a Zoom meeting. So I what do. are we going to... Well, so one last thing. So uh, if I haven't confused people enough already, mm-hmm. we talked, we spoke about the millennium, you know, pre-millennial versus amillennial. That's mm-hmm. the big uh, division. And then the other is uh, called dispensationalism versus covenantalism. And so, oh my goodness. Yes. And so, again, our, our good friends from the Left Behind series, mm-hmm. John Heggie, they would be what's called a premillennial dispensationalist. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. We would be amillennial covenantalists. Uh, and the, yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, thank you. You've encouraged me with that laugh. I'm laughter, sorry, but yes. it's just like to me. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, the, the basic idea is so uh, dispensationalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dispensation is a, a certain period of time, and okay. during that period of time, the theory is that God works in different ways in the world during those periods of time. And so, mm. for that period of time, there's there's different rules to the game, so to speak. Oh, okay. And that the way a person is faithful, the way a person follows uh, follows the Lord and is saved, is by following the rules of the game, which applied at the time. Okay. You know, very that's very very simplistic. Okay. But, so, for example. Um, you know, in, in, in the, there was a dispensation under Noah. This is, you know, before the law, before Jesus. All he had to do was just, you know, build the ark, walk with God, and he'd be fine. Got it. Uh, and then the, the Hebrews came in, and they had, you know, the Ten Commandments and all the law. They had mm-hmm. to do that, and they'd be fine. Um, now, I, we would disagree with that. Um, and then, and so, so where this goes is then they'd say, okay, well, Jesus comes again. He raptures his church. He takes it away. And the final dispensation comes, which is described in the book of Revelation. Okay. And we would say, well, that's an interesting theory, but no, we disagree with you. Because we believe that what drives history is not simply the passage of time, one period after another. Yeah. But it's the promises of God. And that in every generation, uh, and uh, that in in every generation, it's God's promise that uh, that defines faithfulness. It's God's promise that defines those who walk with him. So there are different covenants, there are different promises. 
God made a covenant with Noah. God made a covenant with uh, with Moses and, and Israel. God mm-hmm. made a covenant with David. God makes a covenant with us through Jesus. Uh, but fundamentally, what drives that is not simply the passage of time. It's not different rules of the game. Right. It's faithfulness to God's promise expressed in that covenant. Yeah, that makes sense. So those are two very different approaches of... Uh, of interpreting the book of Revelation. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And next week you're driving it all home. Yeah, next week I'm looking right. forward to it. I'm, uh, it's, it's been a very challenging series and I I'm, I'm, uh, feel like I'm in the home stretch here and I'm really going to try to preach a strong come to Jesus sermon. So. All right. We look forward to it. And again, you can find all these sermons online. At the end of the whole series, we will have them more easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're kind of hard. You have to go to the live stream or the YouTube, which is fine. But at the end, we'll probably have like yeah. a link where there you can get them one after the yeah, other. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll do that. The whole series. And if you have any questions about pre- or post-millennial dispensationalism, Michelle would be happy to answer them. Please don't email me about that. You mm. can email Eric, though. <laughs> have a good day.